0: feminine. Uh, this is your host, uh, Karen Tate, and uh, I'm so glad to have you with me tonight. Um, if you're a regular, you've heard me say uh, pretty often you are the gas in my tank uh, and I certainly appreciate your listener loyalty. I have a great show for you tonight I haven't talked about this topic in quite a long time Uh, My guest tonight, Dan Poitras Gave me a great excuse to talk about it again uh, Because he has a new book out um, And that is entitled Parthenogenesis Women's Long Lost Ability to Self-Conceive Yes, you are hearing me right Their long lost ability to self-conceive Um, It's an interesting topic and um, I've uh, entertained it on the show numerous times, uh, quite a long time ago, first with uh, um, uh, Marguerite Rigolioso, Uh, she's an academic and uh, a goddess advocate, Uh, she probably considers herself a priestess, I would imagine, and um, she actually defended her thesis uh, on the topic and, and has written a couple books. It was really interesting to hear her take on this. Uh, She believes there were a number of women in history uh, who had this ability. And uh, as time went on, it became more and more diluted, uh, and uh, women have lost this ability altogether. Uh, Very, very interesting subject. Um, And as I said, tonight we're going to explore it again uh, with my guest, uh, Den Poitras, So at a very young age, uh, he was compelled to understand the great mysteries of life and death, and in his seeking, he stumbled across a brevarian woman who opened his mind and caused him to rethink virgin birth. Uh, We're going to talk about his journey, which ultimately led to his new book, again titled Parthenogenesis, Women's Long-Lost Ability to Self-Conceive. Uh, and you can uh, look for Marguerite Rigolioso's, um interviews with me and Den's interview with me uh, in the past in the archives. Uh, you just go into the search box, uh, put their names and uh, the name of the show, and uh, I'd say eight times out of ten, uh, they usually pop up, or you might just find it using a Google search. Um, So anyway, this is a subject that uh, kind of boggles the mind, Uh, but I'm really interested in it because as we get... uh, further and further along here, uh, as, as we evolve as a species, uh, we know that we're only using 10% of our brain. Uh, we know science and um, the mystical are getting closer and closer. Uh, and I, I know Marguerite as well as Dan, uh, you know, do you believe that uh, this was once possible. And uh, Dan is going to tell us about a, uh, some contemporary Uh, Stories About this I believe So um, come to the show With an open mind uh, Give it a listen And um, you know with noetic sciences uh, Finding out uh, Our brains are so powerful Uh, I I believe you know They've even done experiments Where people could heal themselves of cancer Um, I think it's pretty incredible That um, You know we're only starting to You know uh, crack the door on what we might actually be able to uh, to do uh, as a human species. So, um, after having said all of that, uh, let me uh, say welcome to Den, uh, Den Poitras. Den, welcome back to uh, Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Uh,
1: thank you so much. This is a, a great uh, privilege and a great opportunity to, uh, the timing for this conversation is so incredible. I just finished 20 minutes ago speaking with Margaret Rigolosio for two hours in one of those uh, Zoom sessions. You know, there was uh, she's up in Canada at the moment uh, at a women's center with a Maureen Walton. It runs a beautiful women's center, and she's been visiting with her for the last week or so, and. Uh, and then there's this woman in Mexico who, oh boy, she got uh, parthenogenetically impregnated uh, about two years ago. And uh, I actually, she connected to that woman up in Canada and Margaret Rigolosio, and they called me and they said, uh, You've got to meet her or you've got to find out about her and talk with her and, and, you know, get on Facebook and do messaging. And actually, my wife and I went to Mexico. It wasn't even planned. Or actually, our trip to Mexico was planned before I, I even knew about uh, this woman in Mexico. And we ended up on vacation there and. uh we, we By the time After we booked the tickets And I met her I said I can't believe it But we're going to Mexico How how close do you live Do you live To where we're going On vacation She said 20 minutes <laughs> so, Wow Yeah I know We flew down there And she's so pregnant It was incredible uh, th- This woman uh, Oh gee Originally from Belgium Belgium she's, She speaks in like Five different languages and she's a, a licensed uh, veterinarian, and so and she's very independent and, you know, has you know, a substantial income that she can depend on, and uh, uh, she got very fascinated with the subject and got whatever information she could, and she did a lot of spiritual adventuring in Mexico. And uh, among American Indian tribes to appear in the north, but she kept being called to Mexico, and she had an experience where she uh, conceived a child, and and so she was very very pregnant when my wife and I visited with her, and uh, I can't even. This is like a Spielberg movie. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, well, she did, Dan, she, she um, had what's a child.
0: the child. Dan. Right.
1: Dan, yeah.
0: Dan, hang, hang, on. Let's, let's sure. not jump into the story th- three quarters of the way through. Um, let's um, let's let's you know let's take this from the beginning, and right. um, uh, yeah, because you know some of my listeners uh, right. probably have not heard of Parth- parthenogenesis. Yeah. Uh, this ability of women to self self conceive. So let's let's start there first and sure. uh, and and sort of build build this story from the ground up. And uh, let's start with um, you know tell me what you know tell me what you know about the process of uh, parthenogenesis and. Um, and we'll talk. You know, we'll we'll see where that goes, and then we'll talk about these contemporary women and uh, how we can be sure that you know they've actually self-conceived. But but right. tell listeners what parthenogenesis is. How is it accomplished? Yeah. That's, uh, well, it it's pretty amazing. Uh, I can start
1: you off. Uh, well, are you familiar with? Of course, mo- maybe most of your uh, listeners are familiar with. Maria Gambudis who wrote The Language of the Goddess. Yes. And in The Language of the Goddess, one of her conclusions is that, well, the Parthenogenetic goddess has been the most persistent feature in the archaeological record. But Parthenogenesis comes from Parthenon, Parthenon, the Greek Parthenon, uh, and it means of virgin origin. And it's just that women are capable of self-conceiving, and you say, well, why would they even bother with that? You know, I mean, there's no fun in that. (laughs) But, uh, it's more than that. Uh, there are all different types of species that do conceive that way, uh, and they're not always, uh, born female. Uh, in the last couple of years, uh, that myth has been broken with uh, the Komodo dragon, uh, which are totally isolated. There was, like, I don't know how many of them on this very small Galapagos island, but this particular batch of, of uh, Komodo dragons uh, gave birth to uh, males, and so that broke the idea that only females are born through parthenogenesis. And also, there was a snake that gave birth to some males. To a snake that had been long in captivity, with no males around, and uh, so she conceived parthenogenetically and gave birth to, to a male. And so that kind of broke okay, that. Okay, uh, broke that. But
2: so.
0: but go in- but then, going back to uh Maria Gimbuta's talking about virgin goddesses right um you know let's kind of let's un- let's unpack that a little bit um Virgin goddesses we tend to generally think or uh, these goddesses uh divine beings who have sometimes um, Uh, you know, chosen to give birth and maybe they don't have a mate, or sometimes the virgin goddesses are just goddesses unto themselves. They, um, you know, they have no mate, they have no children. Um, And I think where Marguerite went with this, was that that ability that the divine once had to um self conceive if you will if she chose um you know to be a virgin birth similar to what we think of when we think of jesus' mother mary um, uh, you know it it uh, had something to do with uh light didn't it i mean um or has that theory Uh, Or is that just one of the theories? Because I remember Marguerite way back when we had these interviews talking about the ancient priestesses. Uh, She believed the ancient priestess lines, uh, this was something that was taught to a select few. It wasn't like all the women in the ancient world had this ability. It was an elite group of women who were taught in the temples, taught in the sacred precincts, the sanctuaries. And they usually gave birth to um, a highly evolved uh, male child, like I believe she thought, um, uh, oh, Alexander the Great's mother uh, was one of these women, uh, as well as uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And there were a few others who I don't remember at the moment. Um, let's, Let's start there. Can you speak to that a little bit? Um, did, you say, elaborate did you say? On that the, a little bit more? Did you say
1: uh, an encountering with the light? Is that what you uh, said?
0: Yes. Yes, I remember yeah. Marguerite uh, talking sure. about there would be some sort of in- encounter with the light, and somehow yes. that divine light would be taken in, and um, and that uh, was the catalyst. Or who knows? Was that the essence of deity? I'm not really sure. Um, right. Uh, you know. You know. But, but that was a step in the process. Because yes. I'm sure listeners are saying, "Well, how is this accomplished?" So right. I, let's let's talk about that a little bit before we jump into the story of this woman in Mexico. Right. Well, yeah, I didn't quite get the very moment
1: of her conception. But she just knew that it was. Uh, but uh, very similar to mystical experiences and near-death experiences, there's always an encounter with the light. And what we are all finding out, I mean, I've been studying uh, near-death experiences for, since well 1976. And uh, it's always the light, the light, the light. And I, I really believe that that is our true, our true identity that we are like beings, and we choose to come here to have human experiences and to try to build a, a sane civilization that's all-inclusive and that has a balance with technology and nature. But all that aside, uh, I can – lately I, I, I found – I've been digging for African-American – Uh, contributions to the idea of virgin birth and here's a little what I'm going to read next is written by a man and he's a highly educated African American man and he's been uh, he gives long talks on YouTube Uh, Blair is his name Uh, I'm not sure of his first name but here's a quote from him did you know that women predate men? The oldest fossilized bones ever found were women. All of them were discovered in East Africa, Ethiopia to be exact. These women could reproduce asexuals without the assistance of males. This was done by the Bartholin gland, which women still possess to this day. Bartholin is B-A-R-T-H-O-L-I-N. Did you know women could produce salmon in their bone marrow? did you know that the x-chromosome is five times larger than the y-chromosome? Women created us. Uh, I mean, you can study parthenogenesis all the time, and, uh, you know, they have all these different theories about how how it is is done. But the egg somehow is self-fertilized, and uh, the theory behind it is, the spiritual theory behind Parthenogenesis, why, for instance, a Greek priestess may choose to attempt to do this, the theory is that the children born through these conceptions are, and uh, pun intended, but it eliminates the middleman, <laughs> so that there is a direct connection to divine life uh, without any assistance on the biological level from a man any contribution from a man and his passion and that, there's nothing to say anything wrong with epigenesis which is the normal way to procreate uh, I've had a child and uh, and anyway it, you know it, it, you know the knee-jerk reaction sometimes is that oh no the whole world's going to be part from the genetic and it's a very rare uh, occurrence, and even with the best of circumstances, it's difficult to achieve. So, according to Marguerite, you know, you were you were given a, a sense of divinity. You know, you reached goddess status, and it, you know, uh, when you were able to conceive, and uh, supposedly Athena's mother conceived Athena that way and athena was responsible for creating democracy <laughs> in uh, ancient greece they had a huge statue for her in, in the uh, the uh, parthenon uh, I, I was told it was 60 or 80 feet high and commemorating right, right. A, athena yeah and so i mean i can't well, well, as soon as you say the word goddess you know it's like hollywood gets in the way you know you think oh, they're going to be all these people with, you know, uh, torches, and and they're all, you know, bowing down to this statue or, or this incredible woman dressed in gold lace or something, and, you know, and they're all going goobity-goobity, and, you know, there's incense and music, and, you know, it's like goddess status. It's just like saying, in a way, it's like getting a, a gold medal at, at the Olympics, you know. It's like, wow, you, you achieved this. Now we have to take care of this child and see what special gifts it may have. And uh, then you get into the Jesus thing, and and, uh, I, I, over the years, got my hands on different material, different books, different conversations where Hannah gave birth that way to Mary, and Mary gave birth to Jesus. And it was planned among the Essenes, the original Christians by uh, by the Dead Sea. And so, but they had to smuggle Jesus out because they knew it was prophesied that a, a great soul was going to be uh, conceived that way, and it was going to disrupt the patriarchy and King Herod and all that. So they smuggled Jesus out. Joseph was was uh, was uh, take on the role of guardianship, and they pretended they were married and everything was normal. And then of course you meet the magi, the magicians, the the uh, who they were from the east, and I believe they were yogis from probably northern India uh, and Tibet, and they knew uh, that he was going to be born, and uh, they I don't know they said that star in the east thing, and it was actually a conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter at that moment and and time and when he was born, but he was he was born with. Uh, the theory is that, you know, when you're born that way, there, are, there's nothing in the way of, of the gifts that we all have. You know, most of us have to struggle through, you know, childhood, and I'm sure Jesus did too, but, but uh, they knew that he was going to have gifts, so they left their calling card, so to speak, with them, Mary and Joseph and uh, baby Jesus, and when he reached a certain age, according to biblical sources he disappeared from the ages of like 13 and he he didn't uh, make his appearance again until he was like 30 and uh, what could he do he could heal you know he could heal through touch and prayer and uh and did he walk on water maybe you know did he walk over hot coals i don't know he did magic tricks for people i don't know but uh You know, he was like superpowers, you know, super healing, super... uh, He also uh, studied fasting and diet, and he understood uh, the meaning of celibacy. Uh, I know when I was on raw food for about a year, uh, I became naturally celibate. Uh, It's like the uh, sexual energy just was mild. I mean, I, I could easily tap into that if I wanted to, but I didn't have to. And uh, so everyone mm-hmm. became my sister and my brother. And uh, it's a natural re- – its celibacy is the natural reward when you eat nothing but raw food, <laughs> like sprouts of wheatgrass. But uh, mm-hmm. so that's kind of some of that aspect of it. I mean, it, it's an endless subject.
2: Uh,
0: Alright let me uh, uh, Dan, let, I want to go back to the, uh, I want to go back to the Essenes um, right. You brought them up And uh, I was just looking at a show last night About the Dead Sea Scrolls really, um, really. A lot of people believe, believe That the Essenes might have been Some of the writers Of the Dead Sea Scrolls And um, uh, we have found out That um, you know A lot of what's written in the Dead Sea Scrolls um, uh, You know <laughs> It is the earliest scriptures. Uh, it doesn't always agree with the Bible. Uh I right. know I'm throwing this out of left field here. Oh, and, no, it's wonderful. Um, you know, and but what but what I'm wondering is, um, have has has Marguerite or you by chance, um, done any research to see if the Dead Sea scrolls talk about Parthenogenesis? Uh, aside that, from, you know, M- Mary and Jesus' birth? Right. Nothing I have found, but
1: what I have found was through the writings uh, by Edmund Bordeaux Zickeli. And in the 1950s, he was a Jesuit Catholic monk. You know, that's, a, that's like being the scholar of Catholicism, you know. So he was a scholar, and he was a Jesuit monk, which is, you know, very strict. And He got permission from the Vatican to study uh, Dead Sea Scrolls that the Vatican has uh, in the catacombs or wherever they stash them and uh, he got permission to examine them and he already could he read Aramaic so he understood Aramaic which is the original language uh, it's pre-Arabic language and that was supposedly from what I heard from Bibles biblical scholars that that's the original language of the Bible was written in Aramaic. And one of the things I stumbled onto in a library one time was a direct translation of the Our Father from Aramaic right into English. And the first line says it all. It says, Our Mother Father who art in heaven. And so they, they, it wasn't, originally the Essenes were not patriarchal. They included uh, both mother and father, male and female energy, and uh, women were highly honored and respected. They had a celibate community for men and a celibate community for women, and they also had married couple uh, couples. And they they also brought in uh, children that needed to be adopted. They, they brought in you know uh, parentless children. And uh, they were a healing community, and they had the principle that ran the whole show. There was called "Life comes only from life," and the people that were uh, celibate, they chose to be that way, but they ate raw food. They ate. I found the recipe was also. He unveiled the recipe for holy communion, and it was to take wheat seeds and put them with the angel of water so that they quicken into life, and then you put them with the angel of air. You know, you drain the water if you ever grow sprouts. You soak the seeds overnight, and then you drain it, and then the angel of air embraces the seed, and the seed continues to quicken to life, and then you put it with the angel of sunshine. And then they would take these sprouted wheat seeds, and they would grind them on a stone, and they would not fire it. They would make little patties with them, with their palms of their hands. So it comes out into this round patty. Sounds familiar, because I, 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 was, you know, I was raised Catholic. Right, and,
0: right. So, so it was, so it was life. So they didn't destroy right. it and, by and the communion still alive. And they, they had this whole discourse on the communions
1: with the angels of water, the angel of sunshine, the angel of air, and the earth mother and the heavenly father. And it was a way to live. In harmony uh, with all the laws and says you cannot have the grace of our Father in heaven until you uh, obey the laws of the earthly mother so that's what I studied when I was 18 I lived at Hippocrates Health Institute they changed their name early in, in like 1970 but they had been around for a couple of decades pioneers, they're the ones that created wheatgrass, and they, they had sprouts, all different kinds of sprouts and greens that they grew indoors year-round in Boston of all places, and uh, the idea was to get as much chlorophyll into your bloodstream as possible, because under the microscope, the, the molecule of chlorophyll almost resembles human blood almost perfectly, So it's like getting a transfusion from Mother Earth when you drank
2: wheatgrass.
1: (laughs) So anyway, I did that for about a year. So,
0: well, Dan, um, but I feel like, I want to try to be a little bit more um, concise about this. You brought up, I'm trying to connect the dots. Right. Um, so you've brought up a couple times now the, the idea of the raw food and you're going in this direction of the, you know, the chlorophyll and, uh, you know, the right. diet of the Essenes, which was, you know, they they were eating live food rather than, you know, food that's been, you know, destroyed the by fire. Of,
1: right. In studying the literature of parthenogenesis, uh, it may be a requirement that women become very alkaline, and uh, there's a lot of health experts that say we should be more alkaline than we are acid. It's not a 50-50 mix. If it is a 50-50 mix, it's better than being, you know, like 75% acid and 25% uh, alkaline. Now, what happens when you do eat vegetables and fruits that are organic, and easily digested and very delicious is that you do become more alkaline and uh, it's like we become, it's symbolic of alkaline batteries. Alkaline batteries are 80% alkaline and 20% acid and you can easily draw a line to uh, uh, that alkalinity is like a feminine energy. And acid acid is similar to masculine energy. And uh, once you achieve 80 feminine and 20 masculine, then you are creating a foundation, perhaps, for parthenogenesis. And that I know that women, uh, one of the requirements that is suggested that may be for parthenogenesis is that a woman become uh, like a raw vegetarian, fruitarian, and they would become alkaline. You know, 80% alkaline, and that what happens with the women that were living there. I was there for a year, and I saw young women come in, maybe a few older, years older than me. I was only 18, so 20-year-olds would come in there, and we'd all talk around the dinner table. And the woman said, "You know, I haven't had a period since I've been eating this food, and I've been talking uh, with with the head of uh, of Hippocrates Health Institute." Which originally was called Rising Sun Christianity in the 60s, and uh, but they they wanted to get rid of that religious tone because of the crazy uh, uh, Jesus freaks that were happening around 1970. But they based the name of their institution, the Rising Sun Christianity, on the writings of Edmund Bordeaux de Cayley, who decoded the Dead Sea Scrolls. So. You know, you can continue to, to write the dots, but uh, these women were starting to lose their period. You know, one woman said, when I first came here, I had a normal period, but I already noticed that I, I didn't have the cramps with it. And then the following month, she said, I didn't have the cramps, and I also had very little blood loss. And then another woman said... You know, that's right, because the last time I had a period, it was only like this pinkish flow mixed in with my urine, you know, and th- that was it. I didn't have a period. And I was totally healthy and t- full of energy, and I was happier than ever, you know, because of eating this way. And, um, you know, we're but an athlete, w- Yeah, so that might be one of the requirements.
0: Okay, um, so let's, um, all right, we're going to take a break. Uh right. we're at the half hour mark. Um uh, so we're gonna take a break. Uh and uh yeah, it's already a half hour. Uh, so uh when we come back Dan, I wanna talk about this uh free variant woman that you met in nineteen seventy six. And uh, what's happened to you since then? Um, in other words, what new can we add to this story, um, oh, yeah. including maybe, um, you know, what do we know about, you know, what can we verify about this woman in Mexico? So, uh, so we'll be back in just a minute. Uh, but uh, for uh, right now, uh, here's a clip from Serena Roney Dougal in Joe Carson's film Dancing with Gaia.
2: Most people's psychic experiences are dreaming, and it's thought that it's the pineal gland making this chemical that does it. Now, this was the core finding, the core finding that the pineal gland makes a hallucinogen, we all hallucinate, we all go into a state of consciousness, that for me is the collective unconscious. This psychic state is the collective unconscious, which is that consciousness of the planet what's called the chthonic mind, the mind of the earth, because all peoples, all races, all tribes from the past right around the world have myths and legends which use symbols and archetypes which are identical, identical. Every human being experiences this state of consciousness which is the dream mind, that symbolic archetypal exemplified by fairy tales or the creation myths and legends of all the different peoples. The symbols of them are the same and to me that is the consciousness of the earth speaking to us.
0: Dancing with Gaia is available only at dancingwithgaia.com. Um, so Dan, um, all right, so let's get uh, you know let's get to these stories of um, uh, actual women who we believe may have been able to uh, self-conceive. Um, I know from when I spoke to you years back uh, This woman um, that you met uh, Maybe her name is Victoris Uh, You met her back in in the late 70s She was a Brevarian woman Um, uh, You know, you have obviously stayed in touch with Marguerite You've mentioned two two other fellows, at least uh, Who have been talking about parthenogenesis What are the common denominators? that we see repeat, that we can have some certainty of, um, you know, what are the common denominators that have to be present uh, for a woman to do this uh, today? I mean. Right. I, yeah, I know we, we we're
1: beginning to touch the subject of alkalinity and uh, raw food and uh, and how women's, uh, theoretically at that period, I don't know if it has to disappear, but it might. You might a woman might miss a couple of them, and uh, you know it's like a woman athlete. You know she's totally in shape, and many women athletes lose their period because their body is calling on every ounce of nutrition, and uh, you know hormones and uh, vitamins and minerals that are, are are lost at the end of every month. And uh, it's funny that human beings that civilized women bleed once a month, and that's a sacred, wonderful thing that keeps them close to nature and the cycles of the moon, and, and it's a great sign how closer to nature women are in general. So it's a wonderful thing, and women should always celebrate that. There's nothing wrong with it. But if somebody wants to volunteer to give this parthenogenesis a try, then they might head in that direction of raw food, you know, lots of sprouts, uh, wheatgrass for healing, and chlorophyll, and uh, it, you, it's a delicious diet, the Hippocrates diet, and there, it, it doesn't exist anymore in Boston, but there, I think there's three branches of it, one in Puerto Rico, one in uh, Florida, and I'm not sure where the third one is. <laughs> I think it might be in California, three bran- all places.
0: Three, three branches of what, Dan?
1: Hippocrates Health Institute, where they teach oh. raw food, healing, okay.
0: and uh, um,
1: but they, it isn't that you're right, going so to this... find you know they're not going to say well you can't train for parthenogenesis here you know they're not going to be into that it's a it's a very right deep, a very uh, it is a mystical type of experience uh, I I met a Zuni Indian uh, by the name of uh, uh, Clifford Mahuti. And he's been on uh, History Channel, and he's got—he's like the reservoir of, of of knowledge passed down generation to generation to generation. He talks about that's how star people are born through that those types of ceremonies. And I was able to meet him about uh, three years ago, a little bit longer than that. But he happened to be friends, close friends, uh, with some close friends of mine that lived 20 miles from me, and they said, Dennis, you've got to come out and meet the, and Clifford, who I told you about. Him. Oh, yeah, I've already seen him on, on YouTube, and I've seen him on History Channel, and he says that ceremonies for divine birth, uh, virgin birth, Parthenogenesis, he says that he's visited every single tribe in North America, and he says there are ceremonies for for uh women to conceive this way in every single tribe and he said I should go to these reservations and make inquiries, you know. But, you know, that takes time and money, which
0: I don't I don't have. I got time but I don't have the money to do that. But uh Well and you also would, wonder yeah. if, if they would be you also wonder if they would be forthcoming. Um, I wanna go back to the Brevarian woman that you met Breverian, in nineteen seventy six. Right. Uh, all right. Is, uh, now, I not uh, define that word. I am assuming uh, that has something to do with breath. Um, yes, and, and, yeah, if, and, if, and not, if, not if, eating any solid so food. <laughs> so, uh, do it, you think that had? Okay, let me finish. Well, it's certainly question. Cleared,
1: it, uh, it cleared her channel. That's for sure. She was, as, she was like a, a, a glass vessel. You know, all she did was drink distilled water when I met her for a year. And she was contemplating going another year without or just continuing her fast on water. And she's six feet, two inches tall, and she was uh, gently climbing hills and small mountains in the Ashland, Oregon area. This was way back in 76. She doesn't live there anymore. I can't tell her, I can't tell anyone, anybody's names uh, because, you know, for protection purposes. But... uh uh, it was through the grapevine I heard about her, and, you know, some a friend of mine called me up and said, Dennis, you've got to come to Ashland. I was living in, near Klamath Falls on a terminated Indian reservation helping out this old man, full-blooded Klamath, Modoc Indian man, and uh, help him to get some land back that was stolen from his tribe. And uh, anyway, I was pretty much alone there, and she said, you've got to come to Ashland. I just knocked something down. Anyway, and you're going to meet this woman who has fasted for a year and she wants to talk to you about uh, maybe continuing her fast. And and she spent some time at Hippocrates Health Institute in Boston. So she had some of the same books that I had. And she, you know, her friend, my friend, told her about me and maybe I could help her out and give her some guidance. And I, oh God, who am I? Who am I to tell her to continue her fast? You know, I, I just told her whatever I could, and I said, you know, maybe supplementing uh, a few ounces of wheatgrass with the uh, distilled water would give her some chlorophyll and nutrition. And uh, But she was genuine. She was wonderful. She wasn't holier than thou. I mean, six feet tall with long black hair. Come on. And she was about uh, three, about five years younger than I was twenty five, she had just turned twenty.
0: So she stumbled. Do you believe she had a
1: virgin do you believe she had a
0: virgin birth?
1: I do. I definitely do. She had a she had a conception and a birth. But the baby only lived to be about three months and it just what she said it was the earth was too dense, was too uh, gross, you know, gross as in dense, you know. And it was too heavy, and uh, so her child went back to the light, and, you know, that's a very hard thing to do, to let go of your child, and, uh, so it, would she, you know, did it, she it changed her whole
0: life. Dan, yeah, Dan, Dan, let me ask a couple questions here. Sure. Um, about this woman, did she give birth at home, and would, uh, and I mean, and in, in, if, yes, if, I, if I she believe gave birth so. in she, hospital. She, she,
1: she, yeah, it came, it was premature to begin with. So it, she wasn't okay. even know. She didn't even know it was going to happen, and it was very small. And she did her best to give it all the nourishment she could. She had also been told in her meditations. Well, she went two and a half years with no solid food, and she was told that in her meditations that you, that she she was pregnant. After about a year and a half, she got she conceived and. She was told that the child was attached to her uterus as a form of light, and that you would that she would be told at a certain point to start eating, and that means that 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 she would enter the nine-month cycle of growth. And so, after about I don't know, close to, to six, seven months, uh, you know, she was told that, and she started to eat. She had a hard time eating. She would regurgitate, even you know, like. Alfalfa sprouts, you know, <laughs> or she would grind grapes up. And if she didn't, uh, if she didn't strain them, sometimes she would regurgitate even the pulp of grapes. So, but she got into it, and she was able to. Uh, she said she never gained any weight. She was 135 pounds and six feet two, and even when she started eating, did
0: anybody see the baby, Dan? Did, did anybody that I actually of. see the baby? No,
1: it, it was all okay. done incognito, and uh, at the time. Um, and, uh, so it's it's okay. bizarre story. Yeah.
0: So listen, um, we're starting of, to run oh, out of time
1: right. here. Right. Yeah.
0: Dan, we're star- we're starting to run out of time, so I need you to be really concise, okay? Right. And you know, let, let's let's kind of get to the facts. Um, do you know of anyone besides this particular woman we were just talking about that you feel certain um, had, a, in contemporary times, uh, had yes. a self-conceived? Yes.
1: M- Marguerite All right, What are, what are the had, details? Uh, right. The details are, are very... Uh, oh, God, it can't be done. It would take a whole hour to explain what built up to her conception. I mean, it's pretty incredible... But this woman in Mexico is uh, highly intelligent, very lighthearted, and very verbal, you know, like speaking four or five different languages fluently. And uh, uh, it's just so hard to explain. But she, her,
0: well, she she's, says in, her, so she's intelligent,
1: but wait, right. where did
0: this come from? Is it a mystical experience for her? What's the process? Right. Yeah, Why did she, she even get involved in it? Right. Her inspiration, it kept coming to her,
1: that she, that Quetzalcoatl, the feathered serpent, was, it's this mythical being that is like the uh, inspiration for Mexico. And it's the spiritual being that she feels became the father of her child. And, uh, but her, uh, the sad part is her, Marguerite Regalosio has been following her since day one. And uh, she lost her child. He, he was uh, two years old. He, he uh, choked on a piece of fruit. That's how ridiculous that is. But the most beautiful little boy... But wait, but...
0: Well, we want to focus on the conception, Dan. Right, so I know. So what, you know, what, 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 you know not, not his death two years later, um, you know, how did, what were her step, her steps in self-conception? Uh, did it did it have to do with the light? Did it have to do with raw food? Um, what were the details yeah, of she her was, process? She,
1: she never smoked. She never drank. She never took any drugs in her, her life. And she was a strict. Uh, Vegetarian fruitarian And I don't know about uh, I think she had normal periods But, you know, it wasn't like a health condition Or anything, it was just normal Uh, But she just got this Bee in her bonnet About parthenogenesis And she just decided And she says, I must be crazy But why do I want to have a child like this And she just Like I said, she just passionately exploring mexico and, and, and the and the temples and the pyramids and meeting people out of nowhere that just knew what she was looking for i, I just can't even it's hard to put that anything like that in a nutshell because so many coincidental things happened when she was there uh and she you know she ended, of course living there but it was some kind of a, a conception experience That had to do with a mythological being of Quetzalcoatl. It just sounds like Spielberg movie. But I saw the results of her little boy, and I I even had his astrology chart done. It was magnificent, and I've been into astrology for like 45 years and uh, taken classes on it. And it was one of the most incredible charts I've ever seen. But the child Child said, I need to go back to life. (laughs) And uh, I just finished talking with her for two hours, and Marguerite and, and, uh, and Maureen Walton there up in Canada. And uh, that's there's also a list of stuff that has happened since my book and my article. So many people contacting me and saying, my mother said that this is how I was born. And uh, several, about five people have written in about that. And you, you sort of, well, why would they... Why would you know? Why would anybody make up a story like that?
0: You know,
2: and,
1: I can uh, think—I
0: can actually think of a lot of reasons, Dan.
1: Well, yeah, you can, um, but you know, but, but I got to know them. Like, uh, wonderful. Like, like, this woman said her mother conceived her that way, and she says there's nothing special about me. But then when I find out more about her, she's in the healing arts. She's always been in the healing arts, and that's her profession. And uh, she met, uh, she had a boyfriend, and come to find out, his mother said the same thing, and they're both in the healing arts. So, you know, these people are not flaky weirdos. You know, their profession is their livelihood. They don't work part-time jobs. This is their full-time job. And uh, just some phenomenal people. There's also an inventor in Arizona who's like 70-something years old, and he's famous. I don't want to give out his name, but he's a famous inventor. He has about over 300 patents, and he's totally into healing uh, apparatuses and technology, and he's designed all kinds of uh, things that we can ingest, but also some electronic things that you can induce the state of mind that, that you can get through meditation. And he uh, he contacted me. He read the, the article in... He went into, like, we spoke for an hour on the phone, he told me his mother got conceived that way and that he was going to be an inventor and uh, somebody that was going to help humanity. That's what his mother told me. He said, when I read that article, Dennis, it just blew me away. He said, Cause my mother always told me that before she died, you know. And, yeah, that's just the beginning of it. <laughs>
0: we just uh, scratched the surface. So um, have there actually been any studies um, that, you know, any of these women were actually followed or were kind of just taken the word of these women sort of after the fact?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, Another thing, too, I mean, you know, I've been as skeptical as anyone else about this stuff, but it's really ancient knowledge, and you think about all the stuff about women and the goddess how she has been dragged through the mud and forbidden to even you know leave the house you know without the patriarch you know following her or whatever uh so you would think the first thing i would think the first thing to go among the ma- women's mysteries would be parthenogenesis because that's the most threatening to patriarchy you know for some reason sure
2: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah so well you it's know understandable well, I'm, I, why I, I, yeah
0: I, I, look, I'm uh, I am open to lots of different ideas, and I uh, and I am open to this idea, believe it or not. Um, I just wanted to, you know, want to try to, um, you know, uh, get to the bottom of it, you know, as much as possible, you know, to know what we have gleaned, you know, what we have gleaned from these multiple people. Um, you know, and um you know, and, and I, I guess I just wanted to, you know, know a little bit more about the process and right. um you know, and, and and about the um you know, about the about the women, you know. I mean, you know, what possessed them to do this, you know, why did they think they could, um, you know, how did they know what steps to take? Um, exactly. You know, uh, maybe these, you know, like this woman in Mexico who lost right. her two year old. I mean, is, is been, she writing a yeah, book with, about yeah. this? Right. Same thing with Lori, uh,
1: who is a fictional name uh, in the Southwest. Uh, and that it, It's all guesswork because, you know, where are you going to find this stuff, you know? I mean, I, I heard about right. in the, temp, the Temple of Hathor when they were invaded by the Romans. That the priests and priestesses, where they that that's where they practiced divine birth in the temple of Hathor, that they were willing to die and they did, rather than give up the mysteries that they practiced in the temple of Hathor. I, I read a whole thing on that. I go, wow, wow.
0: You know, that's that's pretty incredible. Well, that's, so, that's, that's interesting. What was the source for that? Um, do you remember, I don't remember uh, where that, that came this. from? So many things have come
1: through me. Then you know it's like all these, like I got these clouds of butterflies, and I my job is to pin them all to the wall, you know. And I can only grab a handful because stuff comes through, you know, phone conversations, uh, you know, uh, messages on Facebook. Uh, for, uh, there is, uh, believe it or not, there is a page on Facebook if people want to find out about breatharians. Uh, you can just type in breatharian. And hit search on Facebook, and you're going to come to the page where all these people, different corners of the world, are practicing breatharianism. But, but that, not necessarily well, related what is at, all, that? at all. You didn't. You
0: didn't. Def- you didn't yeah, you it's didn't people, that, that. Does, does it's that, people
1: have, that. fast. that. Does that have anything
0: to do with? Okay. So it, that. It's, okay. So it's not breathing exercises.
1: No, it's totally living off of prana. And. Uh,
0: okay.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah, it just, there's okay. no solid food, and, and they experience, and they go six months, they go a year, and it's like, Lori, they're two and a half. There's a yogi from India that's done 70-something years on no solid food, and this has been scientifically uh, checked out. He's in my book. And, uh, yeah, so, they put him uh, tell in. Me, so tell me about
0: your, what is, uh, what do you talk about in your book, Dan? Do you go back? to the beginning and talk about these early virgin births or are you talking about contemporary stories of virgin births um what would what would a reader find in your book
1: right yeah well it does the centerpiece is that woman in the southwest the breatharian woman in which she went through and the incredible synchronistic coincidental uh adventures uh experiences that she had, one of them was with a 105-year-old Hopi Indian man that had been waiting for her, because he knew that a woman was going to come to him pregnant in that ancient way, and he had all this hidden knowledge to give her, and that's like, that's a Spielberg movie again, but, I mean, I knew knew this woman inside and out, you know, and uh, I knew she was genuine, and she still is, and, uh, but... I I leave her be. I don't I don't bother her anymore because she it was such a heartache to lose her child. I know what that's like. It happened to me many years ago, and uh, so I just leave her be. She don't like to talk about the past anymore, so I just leave her be. But uh, nevertheless, I recorded her story as as she told it to me. One day I sat down with her and I said, Lori, you know, you've got to go step by step and tell me. Everything that has happened, and I did. I, I did all the the notes, and I built. Uh, it's the story of Lori is in the center of the book, and all the stuff that surrounds it uh, is pretty uh, amazing too. Uh, the X
2: and
0: Y chromosome, and uh,
1: the
2: secret,
0: yeah, it just goes on and on. So, Jen, where does one find your book? Is it in all the usual places on Amazon, or is it self published? Yeah, just go Amazon and uh, Amazon. You
1: could type in my name, Den Poitras, but as soon as you put in parthenogenesis, that'll get you there. Uh, and okay. usually, Marguerite's books usually show up like at the bottom, you know, and other books in this along the same line, you know. Uh, okay. Yeah, when I read her, when I read her books. That was such a, a, a verification, you know. Of, uh, it was amazing to, you know, because I had been alone with uh, all this information for about 40 years, and and then when I, uh, I I connected with Marguerite, and then we we talked in person many years ago, and it was like four hours we talked. So it, and we remained. Like I said, we just had a two-hour session, and it was phenomenal. Right. And the timing, uh, she said, boy, well, you're going to be able to talk to Karen uh, quite a bit. But it's, you know, in one hour it's impossible. You know, we've threw a lot of subjects okay, Well,
0: up, you know, but
1: there's enough to chew on. Yeah, you know? um, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. you've uh, d- dangled a lot of carrots um so dan um it's it it's been it's been an hour already believe it or not yeah. um so um i, I guess uh i will you know kind of give you the last word uh is there anything i haven't asked you that you might want to briefly close with uh, no i've been a i i i I would like to say
1: this uh you didn't you never prompted me uh to Read your books, and I I, I dug one up. Uh, I just I'm, I'm only about oh, 25 pages b- before I finish it. It's "Awaken the Feminine," and uh, I love it. It's a wonderful book, and it shows a lot of like practical things that we need to do to bring in the feminine. And uh, it, it's a great book and along the lines of uh, "Chalice and the Blade." You know, it, like it takes it into uh, it takes it into real life many steps further. Which I really like. A lot of practical advice about
0: uh Well thank
1: you. Yeah, you, that's
0: nice
1: You To take the Hollywood out of the goddess thing and to make it come you know, Yeah it, it's you know, and the feminine energy is part of all of us and uh, I encourage men to really explore it. There's nothing to lose, you know, I haven't lost any of my masculinity by studying feminism, even radical feminism. I've read Mary Daly. You know, I've read uh, a long list of books that are in there from the 70s onward, you know. And uh, women are pretty pissed off, and I don't blame them. And uh, I can identify with women like I can with with underdogs everywhere, you know. But women are not underdogs anymore. Uh, They're leading the way. It's the only way is to follow the women, the, the enlightened women, you know. Even,
0: yeah, uh, even the normal enla- women, the women, their intuition because, is incredible. Uh, it, <laughs> well, you know, uh, un- unfortunately, you know, some women uh, prop up the patriarchy, and oh, yeah, uh, they're not know, the best yeah, leaders. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awful. Well,
0: Dan, thank you very much. Um, you thank bet. you very much for being on the show. And um, I would encourage listeners to uh, search the archives. Uh, look for our old interviews with Dan. look for my interviews with Marguerite uh or just Google both of them. Uh, I think you will get a lot out of these old interviews. Um, so thank you, Dan. I, I, good luck with the book. And uh, thank you for, uh, you know, all your effort to bring this subject uh, in, back into the mainstream world.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting, to say the least
0: (laughs) Okay It's a lot of joy, actually It's a lot of joy All right, thank thank you
1: You
0: bet All right, bye-bye I know All right, well, that about does it Uh, Can you believe that hour has come and gone already? Uh, It goes by fast So, um, I will be back here next week uh, And uh, uh, I'm trying to see if I could get put my hands on the name of, uh, of my guests. Uh, just hold on one second, and I'll let you know. Um, yeah, next week I will have uh, Will Johnson with me, and uh, uh, it's the following week. Uh, I have uh, Kim Chesney, and then... The last Thursday of the month uh, is uh, Dawn Crystal, and we're going to have some uh, very interesting uh, topics coming up, uh, that's for sure. Um, I am going to tell you here in just a minute, uh, Will Johnson, we're going to be talking about um, cannabis and spiritual practice, the ecstasy of Shiva, uh, the poem of Buddha. Uh, with Kim Chesney, uh, we're going to be talking about um, uh, the rise of the feminine and uh, but from a different perspective than um, you know we've talked about before. Um, it's about the rise of intuition in today's culture and how it goes hand in hand with female power and um, and, and how uh, patriarchal systems are really incomplete without it. Uh, Dawn Crystal is with me And we're going to be talking about Getting out of pain forever Uh, It's fast and easy Uh, So anyway uh, those are just some of the topics that we're going to be covering uh, later on this month. Uh, and I do heartily recommend uh, you go listen to the interviews with Marguerite Rigoliozzo. I had a little bit difficulty getting Dan to kind of hone in and focus on where I really wanted to go with this conversation. Uh, uh, there's so much more to this this topic. Uh, so please do uh, consider his book, um, uh, women's long-lost ability to self-conceive, parthenogenesis. Uh, or M- Margaret Rigoliozzo, she is very well-spoken on the subject. And uh, uh, she's, the information she's researched over the years, uh, she makes the subject very convincing. Um, so uh, that about does it for me tonight, uh, listeners. And um, I hope uh, you've enjoyed the show, and I'll be with you uh, again next week.
2: Good night.